1 Samuel chapter 17, one of the most famous Bible stories in the world. Um, even people that don't live for God are, are aware of this story. You hear it oftentimes in sporting events when the underdog's coming in and they say it's David versus Goliath. It's a powerful story, but I want to preach to you a little bit if I can from this chapter tonight. I'll do my best to be brief. I want the Holy Ghost to move and work in this house. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shoko, which belonged to Judah and pitched between Shoko and Ezekah and Ephesdemim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. He had a helmet of brass upon his head. He was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. He had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And the spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine and you are servants to Saul? Choose a man for you and let him come down to me. Verse 16, and the Philistine drew near morning and evening. Everybody say morning and evening. And presented himself 40 days. He drew near morning and evening and presented himself for 40 days. Amen. I want to preach to you tonight um, from something that I feel is a message that needs to be loud and clear. And I'm going to preach this from my heart. But my title is not to you as the body of Christ. My title tonight I would like to address to the enemy of our soul that's fighting us. And tonight I'm going to preach and let it be known to our enemy, our adversary, the devil. We will not be intimidated. Come on, let me say that one more time. I said we will not be intimidated. Somebody that feels that way right now, I just want you to set your Bible down and I want you to lift your faith to heaven right now and tell the Lord how grateful we are for the courage to overcome in this hour. We will overcome. We will overcome in the name of Jesus. We will not be intimidated. We will not be intimidated. Somebody shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph tonight. Give the Lord a 47th psalm in this house. Oh, great and mighty is our God. Great and mighty is our God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. I'll do my best tonight to be mindful of the, of the time, but I want the Holy Ghost to move and work in this place. To all of our guests that are here, we are blessed to have you in this house. Thank you for being here with us. Amen. Praise God. 
This is probably one of the most documented historical accounts of a battle at all. Uh, it's interesting how many times through the scripture that the Philistines came out against the children of Israel. But this particular one seems to be of much notoriety, I guess, because of the way that the battle was presented. And as well, it also includes the man that would be the most famous king in Israel of all times, and that is David. But there are several things about this story that I've preached many times through the years, but I want to present to this church tonight, and it's very uh, simple in context, but I think it needs to be understood. The word of the Lord said that for 40 days that Goliath would stand uh, on their mountain and he would send a call out across the valley morning and evening, send me a man, send me a man. So the context is understanding that there has not been a man in 40 days that has accepted the call of the enemy, that has stood up with courage and said to Saul, or even Saul himself, the king, to say, I believe we can do this. But rather, we see a very clear and vivid picture painted that for 40 days, the children of Israel stood intimidated on their side of the mountain. It was as though the valley between them was so vast and that no one in the armies of Israel would be willing to make their approach toward the loud intimidating voice that had said to them for 40 days, there is no power in your God. There is none among you that are able to do this. And as you read this in order, in the chronological order of the chapter, I find it very interesting that by the fourth verse, as this giant is described, it begins to talk about this giant whose height was six cubits. It begins to talk about the weight of his coat, a male that was 5,000 shekels of brass, the greaves of brass upon his leg, the target of brass between his shoulders. It said that the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. This would be approximately uh, a 14 by 14 inch piece of wood, a big, a big beam that the weaver would use as the main piece for uh, their weaver, uh, weaver's uh, loom there as they would work. It's a large piece and it was so measured out, it was so large that it was quite intimidating, overwhelming even. And uh, the Bible tells us that his spears had weighed 600 shekels of iron. And I began to wonder how it was in this chapter that if no one had faced the giant and the giant had not fell, how was it exactly that they knew how large the giant was and how was it they knew how heavy his coat was? How is it that they knew how much the spearhead weighed? I say to you, I believe with all my heart, it's not because someone went and weighed it out. It's because someone stood on the intimidation side of the valley and said I surmise he is way too big for us they had stood on their side of the valley and had measured out the spirit of intimidation and they allowed fear to grip their hearts I'm telling you tonight that hell is not as fierce as it appears to be the struggle that you're in right now is not as powerful as it appears to be It's amazing how the children of Israel stood on their side of the mountain and you can hear the conversation. How big do you think that is? Oh, I believe it's bigger than a weaver's beam. It's got to be. I believe if I was looking at that spearhead, I'd say that thing has to weigh at least 600 shekels and the enemy was all measured up. But there was one thing they forgot to do while they were measuring intimidation. 
They forgot the God of heaven and earth, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob, in whom there is no shadow of turning. I want to tell you how to deal with a spirit of intimidation. I think everybody in here knows the story that David came bringing the cheese and crackers to his brothers. I think everybody in here knows the story of David and Goliath. That God used a young man to go after it. Here's what we do know. If you sit on your side of the mountain and, and, and worry and measure out everything that's coming against you, we know one thing, that for at least 40 days, that that giant in your life will keep speaking. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying some of you have been sitting back measuring what you've been through. Some of you have been sitting back measuring the mountain. But I'm sick and tired of telling God how big my mountains are. I'm just about ready to start telling my mountains how big God is. For the last months, the church has stood around and tried to figure out every reason why we can't have revival. We have stood around. I sat with a precious couple last night that, that pastor a church above the northern border. And they, they begin to share with us that as they go home for their New Year's service, that they have now passed mandates again in the north. That they can only have 50% of capacity in their buildings. And that only one person in the whole building is allowed to sing. they got to have one person on the platform that sings. And nobody in the congregation can sing at all. No singing at all whatsoever. But they forgot one thing. When you've been filled with the Holy Ghost and you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you can't stop the song of the redeemed. So I ask that spirit, who is it that defies the army of the Lord? I'm tired of figuring out why we can't have revival. And I'm telling you, we are having a revival. Well, i tell you why we can't. Because they said we had to do this, we had to do that, we had to do this. As we began to talk, and I don't want to say too much. I think we're online, aren't we? We online? So I'll be very careful how I say this. But we began to talk about another church that's in the same country. They said, well, I'll tell you how they fixed it. They just let all their saints come in. And when their saints got into the sanctuary... And everybody got there that was coming in. They put their ushers at the front door. And they locked the front door. And they wouldn't let anybody come in. They shut off their cameras. I'm going to tell you right now. We're at a place that if you want to be in the house of God, you can be in the house of God. I believe if you're sitting at home waiting on the camera to feed you, there may come a day you don't get the camera anymore. But we that have gathered in the house of the Lord, we're going to have revival. You don't handle a spirit of intimidation by standing over there measuring it out. Well, how big is it? What do you think? How long is it going to take? Uh, what, how long is it going to be this way? I'm telling you right now that Goliath is not the one that sets the tone for how long this is going on. He was defying the armies of Israel and the God of Israel. It's time that we stop letting the devil set the tone. 
So I've come to cry out as loud as I can tonight from this platform and this sacred desk. We are not intimidated. We will not sit down. We will not back up. Are you hearing what I'm telling you tonight? You're a child of the king. You've been bought with his blood. You've been filled with his spirit. We are not intimidated. What are we going to do if people tell on us? I've seen him shut the mouth of a lion before. Hear this preacher. The word of the Lord tells us in the book of Acts. You can stand, be seated, whatever you want to do. The book of Acts tells us that Paul and Silas were facing insurmountable odds. But nowhere in that scripture do we see that while they were in prison, that they sat around measuring how big the guards were. We don't see anywhere in that story Paul leaning over to Silas saying, hey, bro, I guess this is it. I guess this is how we're going out. I guess this is how it ends. I guess this is what God wants for us. Listen, quit speaking finalities over seasons that God... Oh, my God. I said quit speaking things as finalities. That's just a season that God has allowed you to walk through for a miracle to be made manifest. Well, here we are locked up. Gave our lives to the cause of Christ preaching now they put us in prison what in the world are we going to do I guess I'll just sit here and die I guess I'll sit here and just die the Bible said that they were both in fetters and chains that their hands and their feet were locked up and I want to tell you when you read the story there's something interesting you find about the way they dealt with an intimidation spirit they didn't sit around and talk about how bad it was and they did not wait until their hands and their feet were loosed the Bible said Said that at midnight they began to sing praises unto the Lord. I'm telling you, they sang and they worshiped before the chains were broken. That ought to be a revelation for somebody tonight. It ain't over yet, Pastor. I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know what we're going to do because this thing's got us locked up. Hey, I'm telling you, I'm not measuring chains in here tonight. I'm not measuring jail cells in here tonight. I'm not measuring the prison that I'm in. I'm going to let my praise speak for me. And I'm going to tell God, you don't have to break the chain to be worthy. You don't have to bring me out to be worthy. I'm going to praise you anyway. I don't ever preach along these lines that I don't hear in my mind going over and over and over. While I'm standing up here preaching tonight, I can hear Walter Hawkins just as clear as I'm talking to you. Don't wait till the battle's over. Shout now. We're a people that's used to giving God praise for what he's done. 
But we'll sit on a mountain of intimidation and allow giants to speak in our lives. And we refuse to give God praise while the giant's still talking. Well, then I guess we got one or two options. We can either shut that thing up or we can sit and listen to him run his mouth. I want to tell you when intimidation comes. Verse 16 of this chapter is so powerful. It said that for 40 days, morning and evening, that the Philistine would draw near and he'd open up his mouth and he'd start screaming. You know where we get that language from in 1 Samuel 17? Morning and evening, go read in Leviticus, you'll find it again. That language of morning and evening was the God set time for sacrifice. That sacrifice would come morning and evening. That there would be a morning sacrifice and there would be an evening sacrifice. Don't you think it whatsoever a coincidence that the greatest distractions in your life are going to show up when sacrifice is needed. They were moments away from the greatest breakthrough they'd ever had. But they got distracted when they should have been in seasons of sacrifice. They sat on a mountain of intimidation and allowed the enemy to open up his mouth. But there was a young boy that came along and he said, I'm tired of watching this army be intimidated. I don't have the right, uh, I, I don't have the right uh, size and, and, and I'm not a big man and I'm not really a warrior and I'm just a young guy and I'm probably not fit to fight but I'm not going to listen to that intimidation for one more day I believe it was this week I think it was this week that I, I heard a preacher say it's so funny how the story conflicts and how we are in our faith Saul told David he said you can't do it because you're but a youth but when he talked about Goliath, he said he's been a warrior from his youth. Think about that. He said, I'm not going to turn a young man loose to go get it done. But that guy's been doing this since he was young. It was. It was Brother Victor Jackson that said it. He said, he said I think it's sad when the world's training their kids before we're training ours. I want every young person in here to know whether you went to HYC this week or not, there is a warrior in you and you are mighty in God. You are powerful and you are strong. You are more powerful on your knees than any devil in hell that will ever come against this church. I'm declaring at the close of this year that we're going to see the greatest revival in our youth department that we've ever seen. God's about to set your world on fire. You're going to preach. You're going to teach. You're going to sing. You're going to shout. We're not going to stand around and wait on revival. We're going to have revival. So what am I going to do? Am I going to stand here and listen? Am I going to stand here and measure it up? Am I going to stand here and look at 2022 and say, I don't know. It depends on what so-and-so says. It depends on what so-and-so. Baloney. I'm going to have revival regardless.
If you think I'm waiting on the CDC to have revival, you've lost your ever-loving mind. They don't even know what they're doing. Sending people back to work five days now. Five days and asymptomatic. Why? Because they said, well, you can test positive for 20, 21, 25, 26 days, whatever. We're just kind of guessing. I'm going to tell you one thing I'm not guessing at. I'm not guessing at how big this thing is. I'm just playing my feet on the rock and saying God is able. I said God is able. If you go sit in your car right now, I know none of these teenagers are going to have a clue what this is. But there's a thing in your car that's called a radio. It's really neat. And it has this little thing on it. You can tune into a, it's a thing called a frequency. Very, very interesting. It's a frequency. And you can tap into this frequency. And when you put in the channel, listen now, I'm fixing to preach to you. When you put in the channel and the frequency... Whatever is currently playing on that frequency becomes audible to the person that's tuned in. Now here's what you need to know right now. That there's something playing on that frequency right now. There's just nobody tuned into it. While we're standing around waiting to hear from God, God's saying, I'm speaking. He that hath an ear, let him hear. You're not waiting on me for revival. I'm waiting on somebody to get tapped in. Well, I, I personally, Pastor, I think 2022 is going to be one of the darkest years we've ever seen. You're barking up the wrong tree. You know what I choose to do? I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm going to tell you what I choose to do. I stand on the word. And I defy every voice of that lion. Uncircumcised. What are we going to do, Pastor, if they shut the church down? Upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. First thing you need to know is it's not my church, and it's not your church. It's God's church, and you can't stop the church of the living God. 2022, look out. Here comes the body of Christ. Here comes the children of God. We're not going to wait on camp meeting. We're not going to wait on a convention. We're going to have revival. We're going to have a move of God. We're going to have harvest. I feel a shift in the atmosphere in here right now. Yeah. 
You know, pastor, as I measure it out, I think this has got to be, this is going to be at least a six cubit year. It's going to be at least a six cubit year. I mean, it's tall. The order is tall. But I hear a voice that's coming out of the mix of the fearful and the intimidated that's looking around, Bishop, right now at the close of this year, and they're shouting, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Is there not anybody that's interested? Is there not anybody that wants revival? Is there not anybody that wants breakthrough? Hey, I'm telling you, we've all had loss. We've all been through trouble. We've all seen hell. But I'm ready to see heaven. I'm ready to see a breakthrough in the earth. Some folks have already measured out the year, but there's a cause that's rising up out of the hearts of men and women who are sold out to revival and you're sold out to end time harvest and you're not going to back up regardless. I know this may sound old-fashioned, all right? But I'm all right with being old-fashioned. And Brother Andrew, I still believe this works just as sure as I'm breathing. One of the most powerful tools I've ever used in my life since I was a baby until this present day is Satan, the blood of Jesus, is against you. I'm preaching to somebody that knows tonight that his name is greater and his blood is more powerful. Now, I'm going to make y'all uncomfortable for just a minute, all right? So just stay with me. I'm going to make some folks uncomfortable. Because there's a spirit that rested on Saul in this story that's very interesting to me. And I know there's people just like Saul around right now. That when David came walking in telling him why he could, Saul started telling him why he couldn't. And Saul started talking about all that was against him. But David wanted to talk about what was for him. Don't you miss what I'm preaching right here. I said Saul wants to talk about what's against you. But there's a David that said, let me tell you what's for me. You know what, Bishop? I, I, I'm not happy to just have revival. We're going to thrive. You hear what I'm saying? We're going to thrive. I said we're going to thrive. I'm going to go ahead and lay claim to some promises tonight. And I'm going to tell you that 2022, God's going to do a miracle in this church. We're going to send more missions money than we've ever sent before. I'm telling the bank tonight to get ready. We're about to pay this building off and God's going to do it. Now you can't do that in this economy. I'm telling you who's for us. God is for us. Let me remind you tonight that if God be for us. You don't understand, Pastor. I just lost my job. It's the close of a season. Look out, 22. God's about to give you the greatest job you've ever had. David, 
Have you seen that? Yes, I have. Well, then if you're going to go, you need to at least take my armor. Oh, I love people like this. I'm personally not going to wear it. But you're more than welcome to. And if you're going to, I'm going to tell you how to wear it. I'm not taking instructions from no lazy bum that wants to tell me how to wear their armor while it's sitting there empty. I wasn't there. But I like to walk in the room. I like to walk in the room. And I can just see Saul standing over petting his pretty little helmet. This is nice. This is king's armor, son. Look how pretty that helmet is. And David's got the jitters. My God, would he just hurry up? I feel something stirring in me. I don't have time to stand around here and listen to him brag about how good his armor is. So I'll stand over. You see, you, see, you see this? You see this right here in my breastplate? You see that ruby right there? You know where that came from? David's like, who gives a rip? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. One night the men, the men came down the bat in, in, in the battle, and man, uh, we walked down in this little pinched gap area, and I stepped out with my sword, and I took this guy's head off, and he had that ruby in his pocket, so I took it out, and we destroyed him, we put it on there. There's so many folks that live in their past victories. Yeah. While a spirit of intimidation is shouting at them. Listen, I thank God for where we've been. But our present response to intimidation cannot be where we've been. It's got to be a battle cry of where we're going. I was so happy when Brother Jackson got up at conference and he said, I am tired of the word COVID. I said shibboleth. We're speaking the same language. Y'all know it. I've been calling it cuss word 19 for months. Not because it doesn't exist. But because I'm tired of giving it life. I was driving down the road the other day. The Holy Ghost got speaking to me. Don't judge me because I wrote it in my phone while he was speaking. The Lord got to dealing with me. And he said, he said, you know that discernment is one of the greatest combatants against the spirit of fear? I said, what? I figured it was just faith, you know. Faith over fear. You might be able to buy a shirt that says that. <laughs> faith over fear. He said, discernment. So I checked my spirit. I'm like, discernment? He said, yes, son. He said, let me tell you why. He said, because most of what you fear right now doesn't even exist. Be honest about yourself. You've been afraid of things. You've gone to bed at night, been afraid of things that did not come to pass in the night. I'm afraid if I go to sleep, I won't wake up. Well, the sun came up and so did you. I said, God, how, how, how does discernment combat fear? 
He said, because discernment will tell you when it's a lie and you can lay your head down and know that it's not even worth being afraid of. Somebody shout discernment. You know what discernment will do? Discernment will say, he's took up the last morning and the last evening he's going to take from me. I can guarantee you one thing. Tomorrow morning, I may not have the greatest sacrifice, but that sucker won't be talking to me tomorrow morning. Intimidation. Fear. God, give us discernment to lift our voice and declare, I don't care about your armor because it hasn't been tried. I don't care about what you want to tell me about how you do it. What I want to know is who's coming in and who's going. Well, if it were me, but it's not. You sat there for 40 days and listened. And the shouts have echoed off your plate of brass. So now, there's a young man that doesn't have your pedigree, but he's about to steal your anointing because anointings don't go to people that talk about fighting. Anointings go to people who are willing to get in the battle and fight. Watch. It makes Saul nervous because when he defeats Goliath, they come in the city. The, the women of the city are seeing Saul, Saul slain his thousand. David is sent out. He had slain 10,000. To this point, all we know has been a lion, a bear, and a giant. Why were they singing 10,000s? Because they know what happens to a man that's got discernment and courage and faith. That's the kind of king we want. That's the kind of king that's going to lead us. If God can give him a lion, and God can give him a bear, and God can give him Goliath, God can give him 10,000. I'm telling you tonight, I'm grateful for where we've been, but all the future is looking so bright. Somebody said the other day, they said, oh, we need Pentecost again. I wasn't trying to be ugly. I really wasn't. You got to know my heart. I wasn't trying to be ugly. I said, well, I thank God for Pentecost, but it was only 3,000 that day. We got about 60,000 in this city. God don't give people cities, a whole city at a time. You ever read the story about Jonah and Nineveh? When Jonah decided to speak God's language, that well puked him up. And when his feet hit the soil of Nineveh, the Bible said even their animals were fasting. So I've come tonight. And don't get distracted. I'm still preaching to you. But I've come to preach just above your head into another dimension tonight. And I've come to tell every spirit of intimidation, we are not intimidated. I want the prince of this city to know we are still here. Pastor, are you aware of the witchcraft in this area? Oh, yes. But are you aware that the Holy Ghost is so powerful that even sorcerers come trying to buy it? (laughs) 
Some of you were not in this church when this happened, so let me share, and I'm hurrying. But one night, on a Sunday night, I was praying in the prayer room, and our prayer benches were in the middle at that time, and I had one that I was prayed at. And, you know, our prayer room can be kind of chaos on Sunday night in a good way. And I noticed all of a sudden, man, people were pumping and praying. It was powerful. And then it just got real quiet. And so I looked up, and everybody was kind of staring behind me. And when I turned around, there was a woman standing there looking at me doing all this. So I ran out, and I said, oh, God, no, please. Please, Jesus, don't let it be a witch. Please, please, please. Anybody remember that night? And before I had thunk about it, I jumped up on that prayer bench. And this church went to praying. Well, that we came in, our pews were a little different. And no offense, Justin, but she sat right there about where you are. And I had a woman with her from Texas. And uh, I was playing the keys. Choir was singing, and that woman got out here in the altar. She started doing that same. I looked at Bishop, and I said, go tell her to sit down. And my dad, you got to know, he's real kind of feeble when he approaches stuff like that. He walked up with one eyebrow up, one down. He pointed his finger in her face. He said, you are out of order. Sit down. Guess what happened? Oh, you mean greater is he that's... Maybe y'all don't feel what I feel right about here, but I feel a little witness. About the time she sat down, the girl that was with her from Texas stood up. She came walking right down, right about right here. When she did, our women looked like ants to a snicker bar on a hot summer day. Our women came running, got behind her, laid hands on her. She threw both hands up in the air and went to talking in tongues. When a witch came to church, God filled her friend with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God, give us such power against a spirit of intimidation that we start taking territory in front of their faith. And so, I'm hurrying, I promise. God, I feel so much Holy Ghost in here right now. While we're right here, y'all think about it. If you want to cancel tomorrow night, we'll do it. But I'm going to tell you, David couldn't wait to get out of Saul's tent. He started walking at first. But then his gait became a little bit more haphazard. As he went from walking, started speeding up a little bit. And on the way, he stopped by a brook. God, I'm overwhelmed right now, I'm telling you. There's a whole bunch of angels that just came in here in the last five or six minutes. And I'm not just saying that. I promise to God I'm not just saying that. I feel the Holy Ghost so strong right now. And David got down. 
I know there's probably a lot to it. I've heard it preached every way you can imagine. I've heard it preached that the five stones were for Goliath and his four brothers. I've heard it preached that it was J-E-S-U-S. That's interesting. I mean, they didn't spell Jesus in J-E-S-U-S in Hebrew. So, I don't know. I guess it works. I've heard I heard it every way. I heard one guy get excited one night. He said it was five stone J-E-S-U-S. Wow. He did a jump kick and fell off the platform, like jumped out. Wow, it was Jesus. I'm like, well, all right. He got down. I wasn't there. But he picks one up. And I wasn't there. But I got to imagine. Bishop, he had five. Because he had a little conversation that lasted just long enough for him to pick five up. He said, God, this is a little bigger than me. Kind of got a little nervous twitch and reached down and picked up another one. He said, I don't know. But he started feeling bold. By the time he got to the fifth one, he shoved it in his pouch. He felt something come on him about like some of you have been feeling the last few minutes. Where the skin on the back of your neck started crawling. Started getting chicken skin on your arms. Got to feeling something in your legs. Felt a little bit like Wednesday night revival at the end of 2021. And David picked up that fifth stone and he said, Woo, I am not alone. I feel something on me right now. God is about to head up a whole shakataba. I came to remind somebody on a Wednesday night. While you've been kneeling at the brook, you've got to be reminded you are not alone. And the Bible said, go read it. Go read it for yourself. The Bible said that David ran. That's where me and him part ways. David ran. What? He ran toward intimidation? I heard somebody say one time he was running to outrun fear. I believe fear was taken care of at the brook. How you know? Because perfect love casts it out. He takes off running. Why did he do it? Okay, I'm going to give you my version. I'm going to tell you why I believe he ran, Brother Wendell. I believe David ran. Because he knew God was getting sick of the mouth of that giant. It had already been 40 days. And at the end of that 40th day, if nobody responds, then Goliath is still the champion. And David knew this season, this season is coming to an end. God is about to silence this giant. And he said, I'm going to take off running. Because God's had enough, and I've had enough, and God's going to use somebody. And if I'll hurry up, it might just be me. I'm not going to stand and wait for somebody else to go. I'm going to run. I'm going to shout. I'm going to dance. Pastor, I think we ought to wait till Sunday. I don't. Let's have revival tonight. I'm running towards the giant of 2022, and I'm declaring you came to us with a shield and a sword, but we're coming in the name of the Lord. 